0: Is good, everybody. It is time for episode 97, inching closer of Defenders of the Bank, the most LAFC podcast on earth. And of course, I am the Scarf, J.R. Liebert, and sitting all the way across the interwebs from me in world-famous Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, Christian
1: Philly Philemon. What's up, defenders? Yes, it is I, the beast from the east. Thank you, mouth of the South Bay, Scarf, I'm sitting in here rocking my later hosen in honor of the return of football to Germany. So happy about that. Scarf, I woke up yesterday at 5.55 a.m., which I will never, ever, ever do for any other reason than football. And even <laughs> though my team got rocked, I don't care. It's amazing to have football. So I'm in a good mood today.
0: Yeah, neither of our teams. Of course, I am now the adopted fan of Union Berlin. Neither of our teams won on this opening weekend back for the Bundesliga. My guys fell to nothing in what was described several times as a valiant effort. So I guess we get the gold star award for trying. That's how good <laughs> we are. And then uh, I think on track Frankfurt lost. What was the score of that game?
1: Yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was 3-1, to one, but needless to say, they aren't in any form to challenge for anything, and the only thing they're really battling for is to not be relegated. It was ugly. I mean, seconds into the game, they went down 1-0. The first seven minutes, they were down 2-0, and the match ended 3-1. to And, of course, I have Panda, who's rocking a Dortmund jersey, clowning me the entire <laughs> way, going, you sure root for such bad teams across the board outside of LAFC. And, of course, I, I, I get... I take it. I'll take all the blunt traumas and and all that other stuff because that's just the kind of supporter I am. But, yes, 3-1 to was the final score of that game. And, by the way, I was watching this thing, and you might find this interesting. I was hanging out watching YouTube videos, and I came across a thing, the most hipster clubs in the world. And, of Uh-oh. course, you're going to have your St. Pauli and you're going to have your Portland Timbers. Portland, once again, being described as the hipster capital of the world. But lo and behold, the number one most hipster team in all a global football scarf, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Union Berlin. Why? <laughs> Why is that the case? Because they just
0: got promoted to Bundesliga this year?
1: No, the story goes on in that, but this isn't an Union Berlin podcast. I'll have to send you the link. And for anybody out there who wants to uh, Google it, just find The Most Hipster Clubs. There's a YouTube video on it. Quite fascinating.
0: Did we make the list, LAFC?
1: No, LAFC did not make the list. In fact, the only MLS team that did was the Portland Timbers.
0: Yeah, well, they are the capital of the hipster world. That is for sure. They love their flannel and their beards like no other Philly. 97 episodes down after this one here. And I know this has become a new thing with you. And and don't worry, everybody, unless people start wearing triple digits on numbers, we're probably going to have to stop this in two more episodes. But for now, look, it's the quarantine It's the upside down. Things are weird. We're doing it the way we want to do it. Philly, you've had these athletes that you bring up with these last few episode numbers. Why don't you give everybody a little taste of episode 97's athlete of the
1: episode? For all you hockey fans out there, in particular you Midwestern folks, Jeremy Roenick. Best nickname one of, in sports. One of three Americans to score over 500 goals in the NHL. That's that's the episode. Number 97, the Jeremy Roenick episode.
0: All right, so Philly, what was his nickname?
1: Ooh, I don't remember that. Um, oh, I
0: do? It's JR. Love that nickname.
1: Oh, jeez. Big fan
0: Let- of Jeremy Roenick's nickname. I'm a big fan of Jeremy Roenick. Anybody that has my name as his nickname, you mentioned it, 500 goals. Also, by the way, John Bosa and his two much more relevant and now famous sons, Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa, they've all worn 97 in their career. We did have one Major League Baseball player, just one, wear number 97, and he was actually one of the boys in blue. That's right, Joe Bimel. I know all you Joe oh, yeah. Bible fans out there remember him as a Dodger 2006 to 2008. He actually wasn't terrible. He pitched in 216 games for the Dodgers, went 11 and four, and retired both the batters he faced in the playoffs for the Dodgers. No NBA players, Philly. If you and I ever make the NBA, one of us has to wear number 97. But I have <laughs> a little story about number 97, Philly, because as soon as we got to 97, Visions of my eleven-year-old team fandom went dancing through my head. I loved, and this is an absolute loved, the 1994 San Francisco 49ers. They were one of my favorite football teams of all time. I'm a strangest
1: huge, NFL I, fan I've ever met. I'm in my with life.
0: you. I've never look. We didn't have a team growing up here. It's you know no big deal to to be a fan of other teams. If LA didn't have a team at the time. But I loved the 94-49ers. I've never been able to stand Notre Dame football, but I was a big fan of former Notre Dame or Ricky Waters, the running back. I was a huge Ricky Running Waters fan. All those Chris Berman highlight videos with Ricky Running Waters, stumbling, rumbling, bumbling Ricky Waters. That was my Chris Berman impersonation for all of you out there. You just went all <laughs> the way. There you go. Steve <laughs> Young, Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, Merton Hanks, and his wobbly neck celebrations All an 11-year-old kid needed to see on TV were those guys doing their thing. But, Philly, who made all the difference on that defense? As stout as it was, it was a duo in the middle of the defense that went by the radio show-sounding nicknames, Philly, of B.Y. and Stubby. That's right, Mm -hmm. Mm B.Y. and Stubby. Dana Stubblefield wore number 94, and my guy, Bryant Young, the B.Y. of the B.Y. and Stubby, wore number 97 as a rookie for the eventual Super Bowl-winning champion, San Francisco 49ers of 1994, Philly, as soon as you have me think of any athlete wearing number 97, it is B.Y., Bryant Young of the world champion, 1994, San Francisco 49ers. And Philly, taking it back to an athlete that you highlighted, guess who lined up next to B.Y. and Stubby on the defensive end? Richard Dent, number 95. (laughs) Look at that. And that's taking it full circle with the scarf. There you go.
1: Unbelievable. I actually have a Jeremy Roenick story. Oh, it, I was, love I, it. it was the late 90s, and I happened to be at a mall in Long Island called Roosevelt Field, for all you Nassau and Suffolk County listeners out there. And I was turning the oh. corner right where there was, I think it was like the pretzel joint, the Auntie M's or whatever the heck they had there. It's been forever since I walked into that, uh, into that mall. But lo and behold, I literally bumped into Jeremy Roenick. I guess the Blackhawks were in town to play the Islanders. And so I crashed right into him. And at that point in my life, he was the biggest man I'd ever met, period. (laughs) Like, my face went right into his chest. And then I looked up. I'm like, oh, my God, Jeremy Roenick, my apologies. I didn't mean to bump into you. Are you in town to play the Islanders? Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. All good. And then that was that. And I thought to myself, this guy is massive, let alone being on skates with a stick and pads. And And I've said this before. You referred to the NFL players. I'm talking about hockey right now. I would be much more afraid of a six-foot-six guy with blades on his feet and a stick coming at me however many miles per hour than a six five six six defensive lineman who can run the 40 in like two seconds. Obviously, it's an exaggeration, but I'd be much more afraid of the hockey player than I would the NFL player.
0: Billy, I have one very quick story about Jeremy Roenick, too. I was at LAX at the airport. Of course, he was playing for the Kings at the time. And I saw Jeremy Roenick from afar and I wanted to go say hi because, you know, I'm Jr. he's Jr. I figured, you know what? We should know each other. We're best friends. We're, should we just become best friends? We might We're have. We're brothers. But I have to tell you my very quick story about Jeremy Roenick is he was wearing shorts at the time and I remember looking down. That man had the single largest pair of calves that I have ever seen in the history of the free world. It was as if someone stole two fine Christmas hams and shoved them down the back of his calves. <laughs> Let me tell you, if anybody, by the way, out there, if you can quote where that reference was initially from, I will send you a Defenders of the Bank pin. It is my all-time favorite bad movie. I mean, it's not even close. All-time favorite bad movie. If you if you know where that's from, I'll send you a pin. But largest calves I've ever seen on any human in my entire life, Jeremy Roenick. And that's the end of our uniform number little segment here. We've already taken it full circle with the scarf. We've got uniform numbers with Philly to start our episode. So we're going to get right into this day in LAFC history. Of course, lots more to talk about. We've got a faux Trafico recap to do. We've got some virtual LAFC on Fox Sports 1 today. But we've got to do a little bit of this day in LAFC history. It is Sunday May 17th, and a beautiful Sunday it is. It is just about 5 o'clock, right before Philly and I are set to watch the last two episodes of The Last Dance. We're really excited about that on ESPN. Got my Knicks
1: jersey ready for it.
0: <laughs> He's in full later hosen right now, folks. Don't let him fool you with this Knicks jersey talk. He is in full later <laughs> hosen. We actually don't have anything on May 17th, so we're going to fast forward right to the 18th. 2015, one of our earliest dates on the calendar, LAFC makes the formal announcement of the stadium project in Los Angeles. NLS Commissioner Don Garber, LA City Councilman Curran Price and Herb Wesson, and LAFC President Tom Penn leaned the festivities. Owners Ruben Nanalingam, Magic Johnson, Mia Hamm, Nomar Garcia-Para, Henry Wynn, and Peter Goober all joined them on stage And what an announcement it was. Of course, the site of that stadium, the old LA Sports Arena, becoming the Cathedral of the Black and Gold Bank of California Stadium just a few years later. On the 19th, so Tuesday upcoming of this week, May 19th, 1993, the birthdate of Walker Zimmerman. Of course, now a former member of the Black and Gold. Happy birthday to Walker Zimmerman, May 19th, 1993, May 19th, 2018, LAFC falling at Portland 2-1. Carlos Vela scoring in the 74th minute. And May 19th, 2019, we've played two different games on the 19th and have not won either. LAFC plays FC Dallas to a 1-1 draw on the road. Philly, I believe you and I watched that one from a bar out there in Burbank, if I remember correctly. It was Carlos Vela with a PK in the 80th minute, our second game in four days against FC Dallas, tying 1 1. And in that game, Stephen Betashore becoming the first defender in Major League Soccer history with 20,000 minutes played and 35 or more assists. And that is this day in LAFC history.
1: Absolutely. So let's get into some LAFC news and notes. The first thing, not really a news item, more of a rumor item. And it's brought to you by the wonderful Italian news source, SampdoriaNews.net. According to this source, Brian Rodriguez is attracting the eyes of clubs in Serie A, such as Sampdoria, Napoli, and Bologna. His agent is seeming to spearhead this campaign to get Rodriguez from L.A. to the world of Calcio in Serie A. Now, we've no doubt talked about his talent, and there's no doubt that it's been on display. But where he's been successful isn't really with us. He's been okay with us. He's been successful scoring goals, playing on the senior team of Uruguay, which at this moment is currently FIFA's number five-ranked team in the world. Now... His time at LAFC won't warrant this move. And it's not like it is major news. Again, it is a rumor. But I have a tough time believing the international rumor mill and even more of a tough time believing in rumors that stem from Italy. The Calcio Poly, I'm sorry, no offense, Vince. The Calcio Polly left too sour a taste in my mouth to ever believe anything legit comes out of Syria. Ah, That opinion is mine and mine alone. So that is the bit of news on that front. Of course, even if they find something, the clubs have to agree, and LAFC is not going to want anything, you know, shy of like the $12 million that they could get for them. And quite honestly, like with no money being made right now, if I were LAFC and somebody offered $12 million for Brian Rodriguez, I would probably take that. That's yeah. just me. Not bad to like put in some money into the club in a time period when there really is no money coming into the club. Were you going to say something? I heard your voice.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, Philly, first of all, I will not have you besmirching our people like that. The good Italian friends over there in Serie A. Those are our people, Philly, and don't you forget about it, sir. Blah, but I, don't, so, I don't
1: care what that 23 and me thinks. says. <laughs> I do not identify as Italian.
0: <laughs> I love his uh, agent with the quote there. I am doing everything to bring him to Europe, in particular to Italy, because he is a champion. And I'm kind of wondering where he gets to be a champion, but that's okay. His agent, Pablo Betancourt, look, that's what your agent should be doing, right? Your sure. agent should be putting your name out there. Great. Sampdoria, Napoli, Bologna. There's no way it's going to be to Bologna, by the way, because the Montreal Impact owner, He also owns Bologna, Joey Saputo. And there's no way that LAFC, yeah, right? There's no way that LAFC is going to sell him to a a team that could eventually loan him back to Major League Soccer where they could see him yet again. Uh, Look, Raito's not going anywhere anytime soon. Serie A don't have any money on any of those teams. Look at the (laughs) financial stability. Look at, you know, unfortunately, all of Italy's economy has collapsed right now. Leading the way has been Serie A. Those were teams on shaky standing to begin with for the most part and i would be shocked shocked i tell you if a team is willing to spend 12 million or more dollars to bring a player like raito over maybe for a sure thing but raito is far from that as we can see from lafc Philly you and i want raito to score we have said <laughs> as soon as he <laughs> oh, yeah. gets his first one he is going to get them in bunches and we thought when he scored in three straight preseason matches we thought okay This is the start of something. It's going to be a three-headed monster with Rossi and Vela and Raito up front. We're still waiting for one of those three heads to pop up because right now we've got two, and we've got two of the best in Major League Soccer, if not the world, but Raito, still a long, long way to go. Philly, what's next on the LAFC News and Notes Wire?
1: On May the 14th, LAFC teamed up with the Salvation Army in order to provide meals to 2,000 families all across the Los Angeles area. This was done at Bank of California Stadium. And once again, this is reiterating the point that LAFC very much is a club focused on giving back to the community of Los Angeles. It was really cool seeing the videos. Uh, Of that going on at Bank of California Stadium. Again, I love the fact that our club is just so considerate about those around the neighborhood. And how could you not get behind a club that does everything that they can in order? Obviously, it makes their presence felt and it gets the brand name known out there. But I mean, it's a club that definitely cares about the community. Unlike our uh, counterparts down the 110, he <laughs> not going to mention any names there. But yes, that occurred on May the 14th. And the only other bit of MLS news was announced on Friday. Not necessarily just LAFC, but Major League Soccer in general. Friday, there was an announcement made of the partnership between MLS and Youth Soccer. And this partnership will be in place at least until 2026, which coincides with the return of the World Cup to the United States. Now, this will be a very interesting thing to keep our eyes on. Perhaps we have the next Messi rolling around the uh, the cornfields of Nebraska or maybe Kansas, or maybe maybe he's kicking a ball against the, the InBev Anheuser-Busch plant. You never know. But maybe through this system and this partnership, we can find some of these really talented players and, and hopefully not lose them over to Europe. At least not yet. Not yet. Yeah.
0: It's a brilliant partnership. More than 3 million boys and girls soccer players all becoming one with Major League Soccer. 95 of the top academy clubs in North America looking to create an elite youth development platform. Major League Soccer finally doing some things right in terms of making this a pipeline. And I think, Philly, watch this. I'm going to make a prediction here. So you're going to have to tune in to episode 504 in 2026 when we, we need go a button. over this yet again.
1: We need a button that, like, it brings out, like, some kind of sound. Like, there has to be a Scarfstradamus, <laughs> like, segments button. Like, we need one of those little—we need a bunch of, like, pre-recorded sounds. And I'm going feel- to work on that. After episode 100, we'll have pre-recorded sounds for Rants with Philly, Stradamus and all these other things. that All you millions— and millions. Of listeners have grown to love. But anyway, I mean to, I, I, just, I feel just, like, like this should be
0: like the Undertaker gong. Just that right before Scar Stradamus speaks, it's just a gong and see what happens there. But <laughs> I'm, I'm saying if you turn into episode 504 or 506, whatever large number I just said, at the end of 2026, after we are celebrating Team USA, at least making the knockout round of the World Cup, I am predicting that Major League Soccer, USL, or some form of it, and this elite youth platform are all going to combine by then, and hopefully make some sort of seamless transition from the time that you're a little six-year-old and an elite player all the way up through your 16, and the next Gianluca Busio, or you're the next Alfonso Davies, and oh my God, can we just talk about how good Alfonso Davies looked right now? That was unbelievable. He is. I mean, look, Robert Lewandowski is unbelievable, and, and I love Robert Lewandowski. He is one of the world-class strikers. But you kind of have to stop and watch Alphonso Davies anytime you see Bayern Munich play. That guy is absolutely incredible. Got to watch him beat up on Union Berlin today. But it's going to be really interesting to see what this platform means for Major League Soccer moving forward. I think we're going to have more of the Gianluca Busio 16-year-old types. More of the, I don't want to bring up Freddie Adu because it didn't really go that well with Freddie Adu, but still, either way, I think you could see more Freddie Adu's. I think you could see more Diego is out there, who's, the kid is like 23, 24, and has like nine years of Major League Soccer experience. It's unbelievable. The guy is, is a homegrown talent, and I think we're going to see more of that. You're absolutely right. Maybe it is Cornfields in Nebraska. Maybe it's the Mean Streets of Irvine, and we're going to talk about a player from the Mean Streets of Irvine later on today. Shout out to our friend Al Rate, of course, the director of Match Day Presentation and Trivia Tuesday. We love that so much.
1: And the proud owner of a very beautiful cat. A proud owner. uh,
0: Yeah, very beautiful cat. I would agree completely. One last thing that I want to bring up to Philly in terms of LAFC news and notes. We are likely going to have one more episode before Thursday, May 28th, but it's never too early to remind our listeners. Thursday, May 28th at Bank of California Stadium, the second of two blood drives hosted by the Black and Gold Community Relief Fund and the Los Angeles Football Club Foundation. So make sure you support the LAFC Foundation and the Black and Gold Community Relief Fund at the Blood Drive Bank of California Stadium Thursday, May 28th. Get to LAFC.com and book an appointment to give blood. That, of course, extremely important for your friendly neighborhood scarf and for everybody else that uses blood products. So make sure that you head on over to the Blood Drive on Thursday. May 28th at Bank of California Stadium, Philly. May 16th, yesterday, we were supposed to be at the Cathedral of the Black and Gold in full-throated support of our second straight win and first regular season vanquishing of our friends from Carson, 13 miles away, down the 110. I liked your name for it. You called it the 110 collision. I like that. That was a cool one. But we, unfortunately, were not at the bank on the 16th, but we were, Philly, inside the very twisted mind of Dave Denhall. Mm.
1: Yes, and what you're referring to is the Otroko. Now, I got bummed. It was Friday. I put up a post, and if you follow Defenders, you probably caught wind of it. Just knowing that we weren't going to be able to watch – the match. Just knowing that we wouldn't all be able to get together. Just knowing that there was no tailgate at Christmas Tree Lane. I don't know. I-, I had a moment on Friday where it just emotionally smacked me in the face. And then I found pictures and videos of us celebrating the five to three win in the playoffs. That put me in a good mood. And of course, it set the tone to want to hear what the faux Tráfico. Has now. I know there's been a lot of talk about what the name is, and people hate El Tráfico and all that other stuff. But it's unfortunately this name Tráfico is is starting to stick, and oh. it's starting to stick a little too much. Chris. But Dave Denholm is an extremely, extremely talented man, and there is no doubt as to why he is the voice of LaFC on the radio. The man called a fake game, a fake game, faux Tráfico, a fake game. It was incredible. I was sitting on my front lawn with a guitar and a bottle of wine just listening to this. <laughs> it was my version of a tailgate at Christmas Tree Lane. We'll call it Fill a Monster like Happy Trail Lane because I have a tiny piece of grass, patch of grass on my front lawn. But Dave was so good. Gave all the listeners out there, especially myself, all the feels. Super excited when I hear the ghosts came in. Super pissed upon hearing the news that Carson ties the match. Even more pissed to hear that Chicharito was one of the uh, one of the goal scorers. But what an amazing display of radiomanship by the dynamic Dave Denholm.
0: Yeah, I have to say between him and Mario Ruiz, shout out to Mario, his producer. And if you guys listen to ESPN LA, you guys know Mario Ruiz has his hands all over everything that goes on on ESPN Los Angeles. Dave Denholm, look, I said it on Twitter too. My 11-year-old self, and we're back to my 1994 San Francisco 49ers 11-year-old self once again. Oh, God. I was...
1: At least don't make a Patriots reference on top of that, too, please. That's all I ask.
0: No, Scarf was... is now
1: a buckaholic, by the way, I... uh, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> I was not a Patriots fan until about 2001, 2002, after I was a big fan of The Greatest Show on Turf. Kurt Warner, Tori Holt, Azhar Hakim, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk. Anyways, we're not a football podcast. But my 11-year-old self was all about wanting to be maybe the next Vin Scully calling a baseball game and wanting to do it in my head. So, of course, there was stats. There were plays that were going on. And I just I could never imagine a point where my adult male self could find a way to get away with doing this in public. And not only doing it in public, but doing it so that all the world can see. And so successfully in the way that Dave Denholm did, absolutely in. Incredible. It was so much fun to watch and listen to. We saw a lot of our friends in some of the pictures I was watching on YouTube. We saw a lot of people that we knew all around uh, the Bank of California Stadium, photos that they had everywhere. There was 3252 photos. There was photos from across the pitch that I've never seen before. It was pretty cool to watch all that go on while the game was also going on. And, and you know what we do here? You know, For each of our games, we like to do a little game recap. So it's time to bring you into a very quick recap of Faux Traffico. in case you missed it. Dave Denhol mentioned, Philly, 800 Faux fans traveled from Real Fake yep. Carson Got all the way here. up 13 miles to Bank of California Stadium. And we kick it off, not a lot of action in the first eight or nine minutes, but in the ninth minute, what came to be one of the themes out of this, and I thought this was interesting that the mind of Dave Denholm thought that one of the themes should be Latif Blessing committing fouls. From my count, he committed at least four fouls in this fake match. And so it's been interesting. We talked about this where Latif has committed the most fouls in Major League Soccer for LAFC last year. That was pretty surprising that Latif led our team in fouls. He commits one in the ninth minute and 19 minutes in. Diego Rossi scoring off of what was apparently a beautiful pass from the mind of Dave Denholm to Carlos, or from Carlos Fell, excuse me, past David Bingham near side, LAFC going up 1 0 in Faux Trafico. And, you know, he got as excited, Philly, as anybody I have ever seen when this happened. And it was all from inside his head. It was all from a conversation that he and his wife had about. You ever think you could do this, like, for real? Like, call an imaginary game? And he lost his mind in the fake 19th minute as if LAFC scored a real goal. And then I'm going to end my recap here in the 34th minute. Nick Depew, formerly of Galaxy 2, and that was a little rhyme there, Nick Depew of Galaxy 2, mm. gets position over an imaginary Eddie Segura and puts it in off of a header to equalize 1-1. A little quick snapshot here on Nick Depew because I have a feeling that we are gonna hear from Nick Depew if we ever get involved with playing actual Carson in an MLS match. The guy, as mentioned, is six foot five. He is a relatively local kid, just like Carson is relatively local to Los Angeles. (laughs) He's from Irvine, went to UC Santa Barbara to both party and play soccer, scored 31 goals in 83 games for UCSB, was named the Big West Player of the Year, drafted by Montreal, found his way to the Galaxy 2 in 2019, and made the full time move to Carson's first team this year, 2020. He is six foot five, and his entire soccer journey, Philly, led up to this moment scoring an imaginary goal in a made up game. And that brings us to halftime 1 1.
1: The one thing you forgot to mention was uh, that goal was probably brought to you by too much spare time on my hands, because when that happens, crazy things happen. Or how about <laughs> the fact that it was also brought to you by the need for content? Comments like that were what made listening to the show brilliant. Because if you weren't paying attention, you missed some unbelievable zingers and a couple <laughs> other things I picked up during the uh, the first half. <laughs> I didn't. I'm not gonna ever correct the great, great uh, Dave Denholm, but he did refer to Christian Pavone as Carlos Pavone at one point. I did yep. catch on to that. Uh, the Segura shank, Segura missing a shot, and I thought, wow, the Segura shank would be an awful thing if it ever stuck. And then, I don't know about you, but every time I heard Joe Corona's name, I couldn't help but cringe hearing <laughs> that name, Corona, based on the environment that we are living in. And as we go into halftime, one-to-one, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I get the direction where this is going. But I guess if it were up to me, and probably is the reason why I'm not the voice of LAFC, is I think I, in my head, I would have uh, had Carson murdered. Ah, uh, the game would have been over before the second half would would start. That was my that was my take. I also thought and was super excited uh, to hear Raito's name. I'm thinking to myself, maybe Raito is gonna finally get on the scoring <laughs> sheet. I probably would have had him have a brace and the score would be five nothing, maybe five one at the half. But what an amazing call! Again, got all the feels, felt the animosity when the Galaxy scored. I'm thinking, really, Dave. This is a fake game, and you're still going to let these knuckleheads come in and and wipe out Kenneth Vermeer's clean sheet? Fine. But we knew that the game wasn't going to end in a bad way, so why don't we start talking about the second half, Scarf?
0: Yeah, Philly, you're absolutely right. In the 66th minute, Carlos Vela gives us the lead in the land of make-believe with what must have been a beautiful (laughs) shot off the left foot of God from about 20 yards out. Diego Rossi to Carlos Vela in the 66th minute. And, of course, it was that patented switching the ball to the left foot. He said, Dave Denholm did, the defense knew it was coming and they couldn't do anything about it. And that has been the picture of MLS defenses since Carlos has come into the league. Even in this imaginary match, he scores one off of the left foot of God. LAFC up 2-1 to (laughs) in the 70th minute. We see Mark Anthony Case subbed off for Jose Cifuentes. That was pretty neat to be able to see see Cifu out there. In the 76th, Philly, I just I know look, Dave Denholm is doing his job. He is creating drama, he's creating storylines. He mentioned, by the way, that Nick DePue was six foot five in the opening when he was announcing the lineups, and I figured immediately, uh-oh, that's gonna come into play somehow. And he yes. kept he kept mentioning, kind of alluding to the fact that Chicha hasn't done anything yet. Chicha hasn't done anything yet. Chicha hasn't, well, in the 76th minute. Chicha scores where only he can in the mind of Dave Denholm and a fake game <laughs> from just inside the 18, apparently ties it up 2-2. Chicha on the board for fake Carson. And again, that's the only time he's scored in any match so far involving Carson. So this might as well happen inside the mind of Dave Denholm. And Philly, unfortunately, a moment that we were both wanting would not happen as Rayito subbed off in the 78th minute. But Philly... Come on. LAFC, Carson, tied two two, Raito subbing off. And of course, Who Walks In, the Great One, Number 99. Little spoiler alert on who our athlete is likely going to be in two episodes. But Philly, what I wrote down in my notes in the seventy eighth minute, because I took notes just like it was any other game. I knew what was
1: coming. Did you know oh, what was yeah. coming, Philly? Honestly, I just the way like you referenced DePoy and thinking all right, they're they're going into like analytics about him mentioning his height and all that other stuff, that yep. name's going to come into play. The minute I heard Dio get subbed in, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, "Yes, Dio is going to be the person who's going to score." And in my warped little Philly mind that had Slammed a couple of beer bongs down because I was tailgating. Why? Because that's what we do on game days. <laughs> we tailgate at 5:55 in the morning, by the way. But yeah. um, yeah, D- I'm thinking Dio's gonna score in injury time, and not really a spoiler because that's what happened. Injury right? time, Dio scores the number 99. I tell you, if you wear the number 99, you better be proficient at putting whatever object it is in the back of the net, whether okay. it be a hockey puck or whether it be a, a football. And Adama did just that our great one scores LAFC wins the virtual bank of California state and is going nuts and I love the passion behind Dave Denholm's voice as he was announcing that game-winning goal I'm telling you If you want to do anything, like a radio or a pot, you gotta have passion, man. There's gotta be something behind that voice. That's what gets you excited. We're in the land of make believe, yet I'm feeling the intensity and the super excitement of this match. Why? Because the person telling the story is going nuts, and that's what rejuvenates me. It's why I love people like Dick Vitale, who come up with crazy words and terms like diaper dandy and the Windex man. Passionate people. Or what make listening to sports, whether it be on the radio or on TV or a podcast, exciting. And that is my take.
0: No, you're absolutely right, Philly. And and look, Dave Denholm is so respected in the football community and the radio community. And he's also one of the nicest guys. You and I have ran into him several times as we're leaving Bank of California Stadium. We've talked to him a couple of times that we've been in the press box there covering the game for Defenders of the Bank. And it's just, it's so cool to see Someone so passionate and someone so down-to-earth be so good at their craft. What an incredible job. Again, Dave Denholm, Mario Ruiz, an incredible job by the both of them. Congratulations on a job. Very, very well done. And congratulations to LAFC on the win and vote Travico. Sure, yeah, why not? Unfortunately, Philly, the smooth segue that is the Defenders of the Bank episode number 97, it would not be the same victory in our virtual LAFC match that we were able to watch today, the semifinals of the EMLS tournament on Fox Sports 1, this one pitting Adama Diamande and Remy Martin against Sporting Kansas City's contingent of Juan Cousin and Alexander. And, of course, we're familiar with Alexander, Philly. We We are. We had Remy, who already beat him, in a little bit of a match, a little warm-up, if you will, a couple of weeks ago. So going into this with a lot of confidence, and someone, Philly, who was certainly not lacking any confidence, our great number 99, Mm -hmm. Adama Diamande, that man walks in. He's almost got that Conor McGregor walk where he kind of puts (laughs) his shoulders back, that little swagger there. Adama Diamande told everybody from the very start, and I love our former goalie, so much. And I'm so sorry that he is absolutely being train wrecked right now by this comment by Adama Diamande. But he said it uh-huh. several times over and over again I'm not Tyler Miller, referencing the 4 0 beatdown that Wayne Kuzain delivered on Tyler Miller in their leg of this tournament. And Adama Diamande backing up the smack talk with one of the prettiest goals that you will ever see in EMLS. Both you and I, Philly, we both got up on our respective couches and yelled there. We were down at halftime. Again, I thought that Juan Cousin was absolutely right when Cous said he dominated play for the most part. He absolutely dominated play for the most part, including the entire first half. The only real offensive plays were big saves by Kenneth Vermeer and an Alan Pulido beautiful chip to bring Sporting Kansas City up 1-0 as we go into halftime. And and even in the 49th minute, Philly, when Gerso Fernandez bangs it off the crossbar, it was a total domination of the first 50 minutes or so until Dama Diamande to Carlos Vela from distance 1-1. And Philly, that would be the first goal that Juan would give up in this entire tournament.
1: Yeah, and you would think that things would bode well for us. I was going to say, you just said it. SKC and Juan had not conceded a goal prior to that. 56-minute, Dio evens things up with Carlos Vela, and he simply said, it, that left foot is deadly. He beats Milia on the left side, and I love how he repeated, I'm not Tyler Miller. I'm not Tyler Miller. <laughs> Another thing that was said prior to the match, which which I loved, is he made the, uh, the trash talk comment of the fact that I've been playing FIFA since before you were born. So, so that's, that's another stab at one. And I I don't know about you guys. I love the trash talking. I love all that stuff. It's why I love people like Conor McGregor, guys who, who talk the ish and, and back it up. It is fun. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be the start of something fantastic. And then in the 80th minute, which was at that point, one of the prettiest Eagles I've ever seen. Dio <laughs> with Dio scores. To put LAFC up 2-1, to one. he flicks it up and over, and in the back of the net, boom. And that's the scoring line. Great game. Dio was down, but not out. And when Dio got down, Dio made Kuzain drown, brother. I love
0: it. I love it. He played it off of his chest, flipped it up over the defender, and blasted it home on the right side again, past Tim Melia, and incredible job there by Dio you know he scored in every single match that he played in with himself in -hmm. this tournament that was kind of neat to see Dio back it up there and giving himself the playing time great job there by Adama Diamande so we have Remy Martin the number five ranked EMLS player on the circuit going up against number nine Alexander now look not a lot separating these two five points in the standings one goal overall in terms of goals they scored. Six goals overall in terms of what they've conceded. So Remy coming into this with a plus 22 differential. Alexander with a plus 15. So the edge had to go to Remy. The last time they played each other, Remy played very, very well. And unfortunately, it took just nine minutes to unravel all the good work that Adama Diomande did. In the ninth minute, Daniel Shallowy pulling it even. 2-2 on aggregate. one nothing for Alexander and Alan Pulido again with yep. another before halftime. So we're down 3-2 on aggregate going into the second half. And really, the first half plagued by giveaways by Remy Martin inside his offensive 18, just not looking very good when he had a chance to score. And we're down 2 nothing. And you said it, Philly, when we were talking about this before we recorded today, Remy just looked real nervous and out of sorts.
1: Yes, in fact, it was even brought by the the announced team of Stu Holden and everybody else saying that the last time they saw Remy play, he was laughing, he was all about jokes, he was smiling the whole time. This time around, he seemed nervous, he was fidgety, he was moving his, his headphones on and off his neck. I feel like at that point, the match, I mean, he, he lost just based on that. He didn't have the confidence that he normally did. And you're thinking for the most part... The the anxiety should really stem from like who your MLS player is. Because as we've seen throughout this tournament, it doesn't matter how good you are as a player. If your MLS player is weak, that's that. We saw that with Minnesota United and Tyler Miller. He put his teammate in a serious hole with his e-performance. And of course, that completely tarnished the second leg uh, of the match. And 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 with Dio going up, with us being up. I think between him being nervous, that early, early goal, which was allowed seconds into the game, it, it rattled Remy on the national stage. And unfortunately, he couldn't find his uh, he couldn't find his progress on the sticks. He had a couple of really good opportunities. Sixty eighth minute, Carlos Vela had a shot on goal, which was saved by Tim Melia. In the eighty sixth, another golden opportunity, but missed to the right. And then seconds after that, another opportunity, and nothing came into fruition. Had Remy tied the match uh, from what they did on the very first week of this EMLS uh, tournament playoff, it would have gone down to Juan and Dio. That would have been the deciding match right there, which would have bode well for us, considering Dio is just an outstanding gamer. But that wasn't to be the case. just want to simply say, you know, congrats to Remy. Congrats to Dio for staying undefeated. You know, you guys gave us something fun to root for. And unfortunately... At the time of this recording, just see the announcement that Atlanta United just beat NYCFC in order to, I'm sorry, Atlanta United just beat Sporting Kansas City to take the first ever EMLS tournament. And not like those guys really need any more trophy scarf, but that's how that tournament ends. And there's no, there's no point in even talking about how those games went because number one, I don't care. Number two, you don't care. Number three, it's not LAFC. Piss off. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: you know, the only thing that I was worried about going in, the best player still left in the tournament would be either number two or number three in EMLS if we had to play them in the finals. And it was number two, Paolo Neto winning the whole thing 5-1 over Alexander. I mean, really whooped him in that championship match. So they win 7-3 on aggregate. But like you said, we're not in it, so who cares? Yep. Uh, it it was it was rough to watch Remy go down that way. You could tell he was really disappointed in himself and in the way that he played. But a good showing for LAFC. And look, it gave us for an hour something to watch, something to distract ourselves with. And again, big props to everybody at LAFC Gaming, of course. Alex Sale leading the way with all of that. We really appreciate the job that Alex does, and of course, Hell Remy yeah. And Dio. We we just love watching Dio. I mean, that dude is just such, he's like swagger personified. That guy is unbelievable. Love Dio. And this was a fun little distraction from everything. So, you know, it looks like with training going on and everything else, they're talking about this whole Orlando thing again, Philly. We'll see what happens. We'll see if we are watching a little mini tournament in Orlando. But I don't know what's going to happen when we're going to get to actual playing because we're not even into actual passing the ball with our actual teammates. We're watching it from either the mind of Dave Denholm or from a PlayStation 4. So it's still going to be a while. Players are going to take quite a while to get back into game shape. We'll see what happens. I'm not a big fan of the Orlando move, but just being able to watch LAFC play, that'll be enough for me.
1: To allow the the matches to be played in a state that hasn't really seemed to care at all about any of the social distancing guidelines, yeah, I'm not really a fan of that either, but... Even if they do decide to go forward with it, they're going to need some time. Yes, the Bundesliga started this weekend, but those players have been training for quite some time now. And I heard a, re- a recent thing with Raheem Sterling from Manchester City, him stating that players are going to at least need four to five weeks in order to like train consistently with their clubs in order to be ready to play a match. And I can't say I disagree. Five weeks might be a bit excessive, but they're at least going to need a couple of weeks in order to get their things correct and... We're in May right now. I mean 5 4 weeks from now we're in June, possibly July. <laughs> What's going to happen? This season one way or another, like let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's just say we go to this playoff format. Let's just say it we don't have that season that we wanted. Whoever the MLS Cup winner is at that point, it's going to be asterisk like crazy. Do you really feel at this point with half the season being gone all about probably even more before they even get back onto the pitch. Do you feel that it's really even going to matter at this point? Who wins the MLS Cup?
0: Look, I think it'll matter because to me, Philly, the one thing that I think we need to remember is the fact that every champion from every league, from every sport is going to have that asterisk. So in my mind, in my opinion... It actually removes all of the asterisks because what we are thinking about here is a situation the likes of which we've never seen before. Never seen it. So, so really, I, I got to be honest when I tell you, I'm not worried about the asterisk. I think it'll still be something to celebrate. It's not like it'll be the Houston Astros winning the World Series after cheating for an entire <laughs> year. That's something that'll be a little different sure LeBron
1: James is actually doing the documentary on that, by the way. I've
0: heard. That's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited that he's putting his vast resources behind that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, man, if they eventually do this, like, geographic thing instead of doing the National League and American League and keeping the schedules the way it was going to, the Dodgers will have to play Houston at that point this season anyway. Can't wait to watch one of our bullpen guys wearing possibly number 97, who's not going to stick in the bigs for all that long, but he's up there because guys need a little bit extra time to get ready, absolutely drill Jose Altuve about four and a half feet off the ground, right between his shoulders. Can't wait for that to happen. But it's going to be interesting, Philly. I don't think there'll be any issue with the asterisk, just like I don't think Liverpool will take issue with possibly winning the premiership, just like I don't think that the Bundesliga champion will take issue with winning their division as
1: well. Yeah, but that's a different take, though, because they're still going to end up playing their entire season one way or another. The Bundesliga is already going into play. They had nine matches going into this uh, weekend left. Now there's going to be eight. The final game of this weekend is going to be played tomorrow when Werder Bremen and Josh Sargent square up against Bayer Neberkusen, which people like to joke (laughs) is the Tottenham of the Bundesliga. So... uh, Asterisk or not, they've played the majority of the season. And I, I, I wouldn't fall. I mean, Liverpool is going to walk away with it anyway. There's just no doubt about that. The Bundesliga is interesting. Serie A, if it ever comes in, will be really interesting. But they've already had their season start. This league, yes, we've played two weeks uh, of matches. But I don't know. I, you're, you're right when you bring up the point that everybody's going to have some kind of an asterisk. But I think we're, we're the only... We're the only league right now here in North America that just sort of started all the other leagues, the NBA, the uh, the NHL, uh, all these other professional football leagues all across the world. They've already been 75, 80 percent of the way done with their season. Baseball might have half the season, but we're the only league that just got started. And we're already going to be fast forwarding to like the halfway point, if not the end of the season with a tournament. I don't know. I mean, if we win, I'm all for it. (laughs) <laughs> but if like Atlanta United wins, I'm gonna be like, yeah, well, you know, asterisk. <laughs> not hey, because hey, that's just the natural this, though.
0: But think what? about this: in that tournament format, if you're FC Cincinnati or you're Orlando or some of these doormat teams hey, recently, you got to y- think. So you're saying there's a chance, right? I mean, and they hey, for a
1: style champion, right? I'm sorry, a dumb and dumber a style dumb and dumber chance, style, yes.
0: right? So, so why not? You know, let's play the tournament. Let's see what happens. Look, oh yeah. Will there be a huge celebration for the winner? Sure. But uh, it's not going to be winning the championship the way that you should win a championship. Agreed. And it's not. It's definitely not. And I'll say this. I'm all for us winning hardware. But it's not how I want to win our first MLS Cup.
1: That's for sure. You're but right. One way- thing we could say for a fact, though, is despite all that... Our supporter shield is going to like hang out in our possession a lot longer than we would have originally anticipated. Because that supporter shield isn't going to go anywhere this year, nor should it. Yeah, it's going to be
0: interesting, right? There's no way that they could actually award that to another team. So I guess we get to hang out with it a little bit more often. However, will we be able to get anywhere near it to take pictures? That's the only other problem. Will <laughs> we be able to actually enjoy it? Or will it be you know, somewhere in the LAFC offices or with the 3252 or wherever it might be? We have to do, and look, I'm going to ask the 3252 because we know a lot of you listen to our show and we really do appreciate it. Can we have like a virtual meeting, hangout, house party, whatever it is, and all that it needs to be on the other side of that screen, can we just have the the supporter shield on a table or a a stand, you know, something there? Just have that up for like an hour so whoever wants to can have their face up and take a screenshot. Great idea with the supporter shield can we do that please i know it's it's got to be sitting maybe it's in tom penn's office right now maybe it's in pat's office pat if you're listening can you break out the supporter shield and just throw that thing up on instagram live or on facebook live or or somewhere maybe on uh, something that we could watch and just hang out and take a picture with the supporter shield i like that what do you think
1: I think it's a fabulous idea. I mean, you could set a nice cold glass of iced tea right next to the supporter shield so it looks like it's enjoying life along with the rest of us. No, I think it's a fabulous idea. Absolutely fabulous idea. I like that idea. I hope it gains traction. I hope it catches fire. Maybe we should put an Instagram post and try to make that viral. Zoom session with the supporter shield. I think it's a great idea, Scarf.
0: All right, Philly, you have been our creative director of social media recently, so I now pass the baton to you.
1: Oh, lovely. More
0: responsibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody, look, we've had a lot of fun with this episode talking about virtual soccer, talking about make-believe soccer, talking about real soccer that's being played in another continent.
1: Talking about Uh, hockey. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we talked about hockey. We talked about the Dodgers a little bit on this one. We talked about one of my favorite teams of all the time, the 1994 San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl champion, Ricky Waters. Thank you so much. We know Ricky Waters, by the way. Thank you for listening. We know you're a big fan. We really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And everybody, again, we really appreciate all of you out there in LAFC land listening. Remember, this is the most LAFC podcast on earth, and we here at Defenders of the Bank truly do appreciate your support and love at this time. Remember, go to the Blood Drive on the 28th until episode number 98.
1: And, and, and real quick, before we end the episode, Scar, I just wanted to give a big shout out to our friend, Hannah. We just had surgery this weekend. Yeah. All the best to you. Glad to hear you're okay. Wishing you a speedy recovery. All the best to you and Aaron.
0: Yes, absolutely, Hannah. Quick, speedy recovery. Get the heck out of that hospital and get home for sure. And you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes, all 97 of them so far. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Oh, perfect. This is good. And with enough time to be able to catch the last two hours of The Last Dance. That was a good episode. That was fun.
0: That was. Let me stop this recording.